Hello and welcome to writing today. In this episode, I'm going to continue my fantasy writing toolkit. In this episode, I'll be discussing races, deities, world structures and plot types. Since this is the second episode in the series, if you haven't checked out the first episode, I highly recommend it. There's a link to that in the description below. Or if you watch it on YouTube, you'll see a link in the top right corner. And before we properly begin this episode, I also want to remind you that there is a free course available on my website. There's a link to that in the description below. So if you're interested in taking your writing to the next level, I highly recommend you check it out. With that said, let's not waste any more time and begin. Now, one very important element of your world is its occupants. I'm talking about its people, the creatures, and if possible, the deities that you might include in your story. So, let's start simple and begin with creatures. In most fantasy novels, you'll find the standard mythical creatures, from dragons to goblins. These are the creatures we have all read about before or seen in other forms of media. For writers, these creatures are either familiar enough for them to explain, or familiar enough to the target market that not much explanation and description is needed. These are creatures that are accepted by the reader with the minimal introduction and description, which is great for beginner writers. Of course, you can still create an array of creatures of your own. Some writers go out of their way to create monsters straight out of their nightmares, or magical creatures from their most happy dreams. If you decide to do this, then things get a little bit more difficult, but here are some tips to make the process easy. First, describing the creature can be made simple by comparing the creature with common animals. Is the monster as big as an elephant? Does the creature dart around in the air like a hummingbird? Or gracefully swoop like an eagle? Are the pupils pointed like that of a snake? Does it have large, lumbering movements like a bear? or fast frantic movements, like that of a spider. You can use these comparisons to easily describe the structure and behavior of your creature. It's much easier than trying to describe your creature from scratch, which is to say it's not impossible, but this method is easier. Secondly, establish the names and locations of these creatures. Can it typically be found in caves, forests, or even a specific region of your world? What is it called, and if you wish to add further depth, who named the creature and why. Yet one of the very first factors you need to consider is the kind of feeling that this creature creates in your world space. Is the creature a bit too dark for the world that you plan on creating? Is it a bit too dark for the story? Or is it just too light for the some sort of dark fantasy that you're going for? Again, this is another reason why most writers like to stick with what is already well known in the fantasy genre. Besides, these creatures most likely already fit their world space, so why bother trying to create something unique and experimental that might jeopardize your story when one can use creatures that are already well known to fantasy readers? Of course, that's looking on the negative side of things. As long as you describe your creature in this way and take care to uh, address these certain issues such as where you can find them and what it's called, you should have no difficulty in placing them comfortably in your world and having them as an important element of your story even, if you wish to do that. Now fantasy races have always been a beloved trope in high fantasy. From the elves and their finery, to the dwarves and their down-to-earth personalities. Of course, there are more races than the common elves and dwarves, but that depends on the ones that appeal to you. 
You could have a race of stone golems, fluttering fairies, sinister demons, werewolves, vampires, and more. When you are creating a world from scratch, there is no limit to the number of races you can include in your world space and their place in the social hierarchy, something we will talk about a little later. For now, know that there is no limit to what you can include in your world, but managing all these races and their relationships with each other becomes exponentially more complicated with each one you add. If you plan to create a grand-scale conflict during your story, or include such a conflict in your world's history, be sure to consider the sides that different races often take. While there will no doubt be exceptions with some people from respective races fighting on the other side, it is typical in the fantasy genre for races to fight for their own as there is a sense of kinship. That is a conversation that is a lot more complicated than it sounds and becomes very dangerous to discuss if taken too seriously, so moving on. Races are a great way to diversify your world. Be sure to consider the natural talents of each, their preferences, their beliefs. Fantasy races will have certain differences that make them a bit more adept at certain tasks. For example, fairies, being dainty things the size of birds, aren't fantastic at lifting great weights on their own but are fantastic at spying and sneaking past threats unnoticed. Dwarves may not win any high jump medals, but their skills with smithing are unmatched. You can have a lot of fun with this. You can even break some of the stereotypes that we all know and love in order to make your story and its races a bit more unique. Fantasy generally includes many figures of power, characters who have incredible strength or magic users and so on. Yet, it doesn't get more powerful than the figures who are considered gods in their universe. These don't necessarily have to be characters in your world, but deities have a place in any culture and in any fantasy world. It's a common human phenomenon to want to believe in something greater than themselves, from the deity in charge of the winds and tides to the deity that created all they see. While it is not necessary to add gods to your world, it can add a bit more depth to it. You could include it on the small scale, referring to gods through conversation or in shocked exclamations. Or you can use deities as a core element of your plot, perhaps as characters who are threatened by greater power, or perhaps they are the antagonist in your story. There are many options. Yet, some advice when writing deities, consider this role they play well. If they are going to be a core element of your plot, you'll need to explore their intentions, their desires in the story. What is their ultimate goal? What is their personality fault? Treat them as you would any other character in your story, or they'll feel flat and uninteresting, despite their amazing powers. Like these fantasy races and creatures, deities can add a lot of depth and interest to your story. But at the same time, if they're done poorly, they can take a lot away. Which is why it is very important to consider whether you want to include these elements or not. You don't need magical creatures, races or deities to write a fantasy story. You can take what you already know, depending on whatever age, and simply add a bit of magic to it. It then becomes a balancing act between introducing the elements fast enough that the story makes sense, but slow enough that the reader doesn't get confused. Of course, that's a rule that applies to just about anything when it comes to writing. So, with the occupants now sorted, you now need to figure out their place on the board, the roles that they play in your fantasy world. 
I am talking about the structure of your fantasy world, the society, how all these various factions and races and creatures interact with each other. And this is very important if you plan to create large-scale conflicts in your fantasy world. It's even important if you just plan to have a simple character traveling from place to place. You need to understand the relations between these different places and people, and how your character's actions could affect things. One of the very first steps for figuring this all out is by establishing a hierarchy. One way you can establish society quickly is by creating what is known as a hierarchy. Creating a simple diagram of who is on top and who is on the bottom. For example, you could have three kingdoms of various sizes and the levels of importance. The largest or most powerful kingdom would be placed on top of this diagram. The least powerful would be placed on the bottom and the remaining kingdoms would fit somewhere in the middle. From there you can establish relations. Perhaps the middle kingdoms and the lower kingdoms have a strong alliance, with more collective power in numbers than that of the high kingdom. Thus they play a threat to the high kingdom. That could be an entire plot by itself. Now that's really a simple example, but you get the idea. You could have various branches on your diagram, linking different groups by their towns, cities, kingdoms or even deities, if you plan to include gods of course, and have their influence known in this hierarchy. It's also from working with this sort of diagram that you can figure out what their benefits are to having these relationships between these different societies. What does one kingdom get from another by being allied with it? If that isn't in-depth enough for you, you can also take history into account. Now history is a big part of any law system and I'll be discussing law more in the final part, but know that history plays a key role in establishing how each group is placed on the hierarchy. If a group is placed high in the hierarchy, one can take a look at their history as to how that came to be. Usually it is victories and alliances they made over the ages. Now, like most of these world-building features in fantasy, you don't need to go so in-depth that you start writing a novella filled with world history. You can mention various events vaguely during the story, providing little information other than the reason behind the event and the results. Once more, this really depends on how much world-building you are interested in doing. Please let me know how in-depth you like your story to be in the comments below. I would like to remind the most verbose of writers to consider the story. You might be tempted to jump in the deep end and start planning out a ludicrously diverse and wonderful fantasy world with various notes that can refer to when you write your book. It's something I have often been tempted to do in the past. Yet it is always important to consider the story first, as all these notes and in-depth planning might go to waste if it jeopardizes your story. The story and its characters should come first. The various plot points should be respected if you feel like you have a great story in the making. Only from there should you explore deeper into world building. This leads me to another question for you. Would you prefer a deeply immersive world over a gripping, enjoyable story? Of course, having both would be nice, but humor me by sharing which one you prefer over the other. Don't worry, I won't discuss all the variations or go so in-depth because at the end of the day, you might already have a story in mind. What you create should be unique, so it's best for me not to tamper with the idea. But I am going to be talking about the common tropes which one can use to help structure their story 
if one is struggling to piece everything together. So let's start with a classic. Prophecies. Prophecies are fun to write for two major reasons. First, it lends the idea of greatness to the main characters, letting all those in the story, as well as the reader, know that the main character is destined to do great things. The prophecy says that they'll be the ones to defeat the antagonist, they'll be the ones to end wars, they'll be the ones to unite the world, and usher in an age of everlasting peace. The usual. Secondly, it makes the job easier for the writer. If there are moments in the story where it seems that the protagonist shouldn't have survived, yet they did, it all comes down to the prophecy, and not to the superior power of plot armor. A writer is a bit freer when constructing these situations, going for more incredible scenarios to make the story interesting, rather than grounded scenarios to ensure the story makes sense. And this is not a bad thing. Writing is supposed to be a free and creative medium for a writer to work with. And fantasy is supposed to be the most creatively freeing genre of them all, so don't feel guilty if your character makes it through a sticky situation by the skin of their teeth. Next we have the tragic past and then the rise to power. The protagonist is separated from their loved ones, perhaps kidnapped, or their loved ones were killed. It instilled a sense of justice in the main character, a moral desire to put a stop to all the bad people who make people feel the similar pain. Along the way they learn new skills, grow stronger, make allies, until they are leading an ultimate charge against the BBEG and their army of baddies. Sound familiar? Well it should, it is the plot of almost every fantasy story and for a good reason. It's a story of those who have hit rock bottom, finding inner strength and reaching great hearts. Most of the time the protagonist will go through some learning curves when it comes to their ego, but otherwise they remain largely the same on their campaign for peace. Typically these are the plots that most writers lean on, as they are the most inspiring. A reader is searching for an escape from the mundane and depressing. At least most readers are. Which is why these plots combined with the right world and writing make for truly enjoyable stories. You'd be hard pressed to find a fantasy reader who doesn't enjoy a story about a poor kid unfairly treated by the world to find happiness and then they do all that they can to defend it. Next we have Grand Scale Conflict. A plot type that is popular with writers who like to create in-depth worlds with various factions is one involving Grand Scale Conflict. It could be various groups fighting in the streets, or entire armies on a massive battleground. Grand Scale Conflict inspires awe as the reader imagines the losses and the rewards. While most fantasy conflicts are good versus evil, you can create more conflicts that are brought about by a multitude of reasons, between two or more nations that can both be considered good and bad. In other words, a more realistic conflict which has the reader taking sides not based on the characters representing each nation, but on the values that these characters fight for. The greatest difficulty one might have writing grand scale conflict is realistically bringing the conflict about, and also describing the battle when it happens. Here is some advice for both possible obstacles you may encounter. First, the reasons behind the conflict. Realistically, a conflict is brought about by several events that stoke the aggressions of each nation. It could be several deaths or few deaths of very important figures to that society. It could have something to do with breaking treaties and so on. In a lot of novels where it is difficult to make each nation naturally commit these aggressive acts, 
the writer will create a third faction that uses sabotage to bring about these acts. There is always a limit to which a nation can deny its involvement before the victim of the transgressions considers them an enemy. There you have it, realistic conflict. Secondly, how to describe large battles. There is no getting around it, you can't simplify it enough to help the readers imagine. It is one of the occasions when you need to take your time, set the scene, describe the numbers and the actions in depth. You can spend up to a page or two painting the picture if you wish, because grand scale conflict needs it. With that said, a great way to turn things down into more specific scenes is first by just starting big, working your way down, talking about the area, then talk about the numbers, go through the assortment of different responsibilities that some soldiers play, until you're finally addressing a specific character important to the story, and then continuing the scene with them. If I was to describe that a little bit better, I would say try to imagine yourself as a camera up high in the sky panning over the battlefield, slowly zooming in and focusing on larger key points until you're eventually following one of your main characters. From there it's kind of a smooth switch over from this grand overview to following straight into the next scene as your character progresses the story. Now the most simple plot type is a long journey with an assortment of small adventures. Usually this is a plot type that leads up to the grand scale conflict, but it can easily be a plot on its own. The story follows a character going off to complete some task, be it off to save someone, or to carry a message to someone important. The journey is long, filled with various stops and encounters. The main character might even make a few friends along the way, building their party of like-minded heroes. The Travelling Adventurer's plot type is excellent for writers who want to create a more relaxed, down-to-earth experience. Everything is about living in the moment, doing what one can in each situation, and working towards the best result. It makes for excellent character development, with lessons being taught along the way with each encounter. Of course, since this is the fantasy genre, you can make some encounters truly fantastic, and you don't have to stop the story once they achieve their goal. Perhaps their goal has actually changed and developed over the course of the story, so by the time they reach the end as to what they wanted in the beginning, they now have a new desire, a new way to truly wrap up the story. And that's probably where it could lead to some sort of grand scale conflict, or it could be them switching sides on whatever they're doing, but I'm not going to spitball all these different ideas to make the structure work. That all comes down to you. And that brings us to the end of the second episode in this Fantasy Toolkit series. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about lore a bit more in depth and the different characters that one commonly finds in the fantasy genre. If there's anything you wish to add more to this series, please let me know in the comments below. What fantasy elements do you wish to discuss? What advice would you give to beginner writers approaching fantasy? And for those enjoying this series but looking for more hands-on practice, then I recommend checking out my writer's workshop. There you can find all my courses on writing, different genres and different elements of writing. And if you want more professional assistance, you can join my tutoring program where you and I work together to help you plot, structure and finish that novel that you have in mind. And if you want to check out more of my work, you can find that on thepinnedsleuth.com. There's links to all of this in the description below. With that, I thank you for watching and as always, good day, good night and happy writing. <laughs>